Welcome back to the Grower Radio Network. I'm Chris Mosby, an editor with Greenhouse Management and Produce Grower Magazine. And I'm joined today by Raymond Cloyd, professor and extension specialist in horticultural entomology and plant protection at Kansas State University. Today we're talking about thrips, how growers can stop them, how they do their damage, and how to prevent them. Raymond, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Chris, for inviting me. Yeah, we're happy you could make it. So, Raymond, can you tell us a little bit about thrips and, and how they do their damage? Well, thrips, in particular the western flower thrips, which is the common species in most greenhouses in the United States, causes two types of damage. The, uh, the direct damage is they're feeding on both the foliage and the flowers. Um, the, the damage symptoms, we call them silvering because of the fact that the tissue takes on kind of a whitish appearance, both in the leaves and in the flowers. Um, under the leaves, you'll find sunken tissues and also black fecal deposits, which is their uh, thrips poop. The indirect damage is probably more substantial, and that is that the thrips uh, are able to vector viruses such as impatient necrotic spot virus on uh, floriculture crops and then on tomato spotted wilt virus for greenhouse and also floriculture crops. And because of that, that means the tolerance level for thrips is extremely low. Interesting. And so are there specific crops that the thrips target? Well, western flower thrips can feed over 300 different plant types, um, both vegetables and, and uh, ornamental floriculture crops. So they tend to hone in on plants with uh, yellow flowers and blue flowers, but they feed on a wide diversity of, of crop types. Okay. And if growers want to prevent an infestation, what steps can they take? Well, prevention um, involves typical procedures like sanitation, removing any weeds, because many weeds are reservoirs for not only the thrips themselves, but the viruses that they, they potentially transmit. Um, cleaning up any debris is always valid. You know, weeds under benches, of course, and weeds around the greenhouse, those are sources where the thrips, the adults can fly in through any openings. Um, cultural practices, such as keeping plants healthy through proper watering and fertility, don't overdo it on the, on the fertilizer. Um, the other one is physical, and that includes insect screening, and that involves placing microscreening on the outside of vents uh, to restrict or inhibit thrips from moving in from outside. Um, it's a little more costly, and you have to understand what's, how much screening is involved, but it does directly uh, prevent thrips from coming in from outside sources. And if I'm a grower and I'm scouting, what should I be looking for in terms of noticing the thrips? And if I do find them, how can I manage an infestation? The, the typical recommendations for scouting for thrips are the use of blue or yellow sticky cards. I, I prefer the yellow because I can see the adults on them much easier blue, and I also am able to capture other insects, pests such as flying uh, winged aphids, uh, winged fungus gnats, shore flies, leaf miners, and white flies. Um, so we tend to we tend to use the yellow, or I recommend the yellow. And so you uh, put but you put the yellow sticky cards approximately about two to three inches above the crop canopy. You can use a bamboo stake with a with a clothespin to move it. And then uh, on a routinely weekly basis, you just count the number of adults. Now that does not tell you the nymph counts. And so what you need to do is uh, go around to certain plants with a white piece of paper, eight half by eleven, and uh, beat the plants over that. And that will allow you to detect the nymphs. They're a lot smaller and more difficult to see, but uh, you can use a white or actually a darkened piece of paper because they show up more on, on black or brown paper than they would on white. So 
you take you can do both for for adults and the nymphs. Those are the way we tend to scout. And then of course management. Uh, there are two options. There are, of course the use of insecticides, and and one of the most important concepts is to rotate different modes of action within a generation before switching. And that normally involves using the same mode of action for two weeks and then switching. And there's also the use of biological control. We have some uh, predatory mites uh, that are commercially available for most suppliers that when uh, used uh, early on preventatively um, can provide some level of regulation of thrips population. And Raymond, just one last question. What is the life cycle like for thrips? Um, that's a great question, Chris. The life cycle is the females lay the eggs inside of plant tissue, the leaves, uh, which protects them from insecticides and natural enemies. The eggs hatch. You get the first instar larva, and then you get a second instar larva, and it's the first and second instar larva that will acquire the virus they transmit as adults. Then the second instar larva will go down into the growing medium, move down the base of the plant, and then they'll pupate. And there's actually a pre-pupa and a pro-pupa, or actually pupa, and they develop uh, then from that from adults and depending on the temperature which is always contingent on most insects and mite pests it takes uh, it could take 10 days to 14 days to complete a life cycle under ambient greenhouse temperatures and you'll want to be rotating chemicals during that time span right the recommendation is you want to use the same mode of action within a generation, and you can use temperature to assess that during the summertime when the, the populations are going to go through the life cycle from egg to adult faster. You're going to have to um, switch the modes of action more frequently than you would in the wintertime. I have what I call an eight-week rotation program that is, that is four different modes of action. Use, the, use one mode of action for weeks one and two. Use the second mode of action for weeks three and four. Use the third mode of action for weeks uh, five and six, and the uh, the fourth mode of action for weeks seven and eight, and then you can go back to the first one. And Raymond, if our listeners want to get in contact with you for more information, is there a spot that they can go? There are two ways to get in touch with me. I, I'm still a phone person, and my phone number is 785-532-4750. Um, the other one is my email, and that is uh, rcloyd, R-C-L-O-Y-D, at... KSU.edu. Those are probably the two best ways of trying to get in touch with me. You can leave a voicemail message, and I usually return them as soon as possible. Raymond, thank you for joining us today. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And for more podcasts, stay tuned to the Grow Radio Network.